idea that you would have so much fun with that post, and uh, many of you responded. Uh, I, I will say that there were a couple of mother-in-law references that we did not put on the screen. Just in case she's with you this morning, she will never know what you said. Um, but mother-in-laws, if you friend me on Facebook, you could probably find it. Um, I forgot to tell the first service, so I'm going to tell you now and try to remind you at the end. This week, here's what we want you to do. We want you to take pictures of yourself with things that are better together and hashtag journey better together. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, hashtag journey better together. Take pictures of you or someone you love with things that are better together. Post all of those. Hashtag journey better together. We're kicking off a brand new series. It's called Better Together, and there are some things that are just better together, right? Cookies and milk, they're fine separate, but together, that's magic right there, right? Chocolate and fruit, uh, better together. French fries and ketchup, bacon and just about anything, right? It's good. You put that with something, it's good. Things are better together, and this could apply to a lot of things in our life, uh, relationships, Better together. Solomon, he was the son of King David. He, he wrote some books in the Old Testament. One of them is called Ecclesiastes. And in, in Ecclesiastes, he says, hey, two are better than one. Stuff's just better together when you mix it up. Peanut butter and chocolate, right? It's better when it's all together. And that is especially true when you think about us. When you think about the church. Uh, God created this idea of people who would come together and share their lives and share their strengths and their heartaches and their hurts and their ups and their downs. And they would bring all that in one place and they would worship together like we just did. And they'd pray for one another and they would encourage one another. We're better when we're together. I'm better because I'm a part of this. I'm a part of a larger group experiencing what God is doing. We're, we're better together. Now, just my history and my story, it's not going to be your story, maybe, uh, and that's fine. My story is not better than yours. It's just my story. My story is I grew up in church like nine months before I was born. I'm in church, and I was in church all the time. Right? Back in the good old days, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, all the time. Uh, as a child, I went to children's church, and I went to big church, too, and uh, I got pinched by my mom when I made noise in big church like some of you did. Um, uh, yeah, see? I, uh, my dad became a pastor when I was about six, and so if there was any question before, there was no question after that. Like, we're going to church, and he pastored several churches, and I was a preacher's kid from that point on. I was in church. When I was a teenager, I went to youth camp and Wednesday night youth Bible studies and D-Now and lock-ins and all the stuff that you used to do in youth ministry. I went away to college. I went to the University of South Carolina in Columbia, and I found a church, found a great church, got involved in their college ministry. I ended up interning with several of their staff members while I was in college, went to seminary. My wife and I went to church. I, I Worked some part-time staff jobs while I was in seminary at different churches. And I went to full-time ministry. And my life, I've been in church. Again, that may not be your life. It may not be your past. That's absolutely fine. But that was my life. And I'm better for it. 
I look back on that and the encouragement that I received from that, the, the, the mentors that I met along the way because of church, the role models that I saw, the friends that I made. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of you. There's only one reason I know you, church. We would have never met had we not met in this church or in a previous church where we were together. That, that's how we know each other. Church, for me, this is just my story. For me, church, church has been a, a life-giving part of my experience. It's helped me grow spiritually. It's helped me grow personally. It's it, it strengthened my spiritual life at every stage as a, as a kid, as a teenager, as a, as a college student. It's Church has helped me understand how to study the Bible and how to apply the Bible to my life. Uh, people have, from church prayed for me and encouraged me during some difficult times in my life and losing a, uh, people that I love. It was, the church rallied around me and around my family. It's just been a part of my life. Now, let me be quick to say, <clears throat> I've never been in a perfect church, ever. Never been in a perfect church. I've been in churches that made weird decisions consistently. Like every decision they made, boy, that was weird. And they just, they just seem to always make the weird decision. I, I've been in churches that had traditions that I thought were strange or I, maybe I didn't like. <clears throat> I've been in churches that had odd structure and, and meetings and, and cra- just crazy things. I, I've never, ever been in a perfect church, but... Here's what I found. Even though the church isn't perfect, we're still better together. My wife and I aren't perfect. Uh, she's not perfect. I'm not perfect. She's a lot closer to perfect than I am. But neither one, of us, neither one of us are perfect. But you know what? We're still better together. Her imperfection and my imperfections brought together. We're better being together than to be in our imperfections alone. And that's kind of the way the church is. We're a bunch of imperfect people. The church, any church, drop in on any church you want to. They're an imperfect church, but we're better together. That's what we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. And just kind of celebrate what God's doing and what He's going to do and what could happen. Just kind of imagining, thinking about what could we be if we just accept, man, we're better as we connect together. We worship better. We pray together. And yes... We've probably all had negative experiences. I mean, we could go around the room. We could have therapy session this morning, right? This church did you wrong, and that church did you wrong, and I saw this in church. I get it. You know what? We're still better together. And here's a concern I have. It's a concern. I'm concerned that it's really fashionable, even in the Christian world, it's It's really popular, even in the Christian church world, to be critical of the church. It's like a popular thing to do. It's to just give the church a hard time. To talk about all the ways that the church fails and all the ways that the church has has messed up. I think sometimes we even even think it's a sign of spiritual maturity how I criticize churches. Churches. How I criticize what they're doing or what they did or what I experienced long time ago or, or what the church does. 
I don't know, there's just kind of an arrogance, it seems. And, and for me, it's sort of been growing for 25, 30 years. I mean, that's kind of the time period that I've been most observant and most aware of what's happening in the church world. <clears throat> the message today, I was thinking about it this morning, it's really better as a conversation at Starbucks. It, it would probably work better if you and I went to Starbucks and I kind of told you these things, but we can't all go to Starbucks today. <clears throat> we won't fit. And um, so we're going to have this conversation today. The, the conversation is basically my seat on the bus. Thank you. This is kind of what I've been seeing. This is kind of what I've been observing. And, and maybe you'll see me afterwards or you'll shoot me an email later this week and say, I think you're totally wrong. Fine. This is what I've been seeing out my window as I've been in the church forever and ever. And as I've watched the church kind of grow and morph over the last 25, 30 years. So this is my seat. That's all it is. This is what I've seen. Uh, Go back 30 years ago, 35 years ago, some of you weren't born, 35 years ago, 30 years ago, all churches kind of looked the same back then. Kind of the same programming, they all sang kind of the same music. It was in this book called a hymnal, you probably don't know what that is, but there was like this book and (laughs) like you turn the page and there was words and music in there. Are they all saying that? <clears throat> Most people dressed kind of the same way to go to church. You know, it's kind of coat and tie and dress and slacks and uh, everybody, whatever church you went to, it just kind of all looked the same. Uh, buildings looked pretty much the same, right? Red brick, white column, steeple on top. Um, uh, children's ministry, I mean, kind of looked the same. Youth ministry, all kind of the same. And, and, and you, could go to, you could go to First Baptist and hear kind of the same music and message. And you go to First Methodist and it would be pretty similar music and pretty similar uh, message. Children's ministry at Northside Baptist was kind of like the children's ministry at Southside Presbyterian. It was just, there, it was kind of familiar. And then uh, mid to late 70s, uh, this guy named Bill Hybels launches Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago. And a few years after him, a guy named Rick Warren, Purpose Driven Life. Rick Warren launches Saddleback out in California. And, and, and they begin to say, you know, churches don't have to all look alike. <clears throat> churches can look different. Churches, you can dress casually and come to church, and that'd be okay. And, and we don't have to have a choir. We can have a band, and the music could sort of sound like what you're listening to on the radio, and that'd be fine. We could still worship Jesus with that kind of music. Um, it, it, you don't have to meet in a red brick building with white columns. You know, you can meet in a warehouse. Uh, you, you could rent a school. You can meet in a funeral home. You know, what, whatever. <laughs> you, you know, it, it doesn't have to look like church to be church. You know, understand what I'm saying? It doesn't have to look like church to be church. And so contemporary churches started popping up and following this model. And there were other, other guys who were kind of on the front end of this. But what happened during that season of the church, my view only, it's not in the Bible, this is my view. What happened during that season is, in order for kind of this new movement to get its legs and really start going, it it had to separate itself from what had been. And as a result of that, I think, 
kind of an antagonism grew between the two, between the church as it had been, which by the way, the church as it had been reached millions and millions of people for Jesus. And there's millions of people going to heaven because of the church during the the time when they, they all looked the same. Like tons of people came to Jesus. Churches in that mode, still tons of people coming to Jesus. Good for them, but there was this kind of new movement And there started to be kind of this back and forth. And it wasn't one way. It wasn't just one side picking on the other side. It it was traditional church not liking the music at the contemporary church. And the contemporary church talking bad about how you had to dress up to go to the traditional church. And the, the traditional church making fun of the way pastors preached at the contemporary church, and the contemporary church making fun of the way the traditional church was doing children's ministry. It was just sort of this back-and-forth antagonism as these, these two models, which is all they were, it was just a model, it was a strategy, it was a way of doing church, were trying to be born. <clears throat> Again, my seat on the bus. This, this morphed into kind of a larger antagonism in the body of Christ. And, and, and it... Like I said, it sort of became popular to find all the faults of the church and point them out. Well, the church is doing this wrong. Well, the church is doing that wrong. And and, and you had speakers and, and leaders of large churches on both extremes showing up at conferences and saying, well, they're doing this the wrong way and they're teaching heresy and they're blah, 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 and their music is from the devil and yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was just this sort of antagonism between the two fields. Again, not one way. It was, it was both going at it. And then, and then it just sort of became popular to say, man, the church is bad. The church is doing bad stuff. They're just... and, and, and the trump card, if you want to know, the trump card was when you could call the other group Pharisees. Like if you called them Pharisees, then you felt like you won. Because the Pharisees were that group in the New Testament that Jesus was always given a hard time. They were religious leaders and Jesus like really got into it with them. So if your side could call the other side Pharisees, then you felt like you won. And so both sides just kind of go at it. And then it spreads. And then there's almost a, almost a disdain for organized church. Then out of that, I think, we, we developed little sayings And I don't think we intended it to be this way. But what we didn't realize was those little sayings were critical of the church. I mean, they had kind of a positive meaning. But in order to make the positive meaning, we took little swipes at the church. And this is the part of the message where I make some of you mad. All right? And I'm not trying to. I'm just good at it. So... um, (laughs) Because some of these sayings you've said, I bet, I bet, some of these sayings you have a t-shirt at home with this on them. In a previous church, there was a whole message series about this saying, and your church was all, yay, that, and I'm going to be critical of that for just a second. When when we said things like, uh, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to Taco Bell makes you a burrito. I I know what we were saying. I get it. What we were saying was just showing up at church 
doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Just showing up at church doesn't mean you've committed your life to Christ. I know what we meant, but we said it so much that I think there were people who began to say, oh, okay, so going to church is really not important to my spiritual life. When we said, don't go to church, be the church, I know what we were saying. I totally get it. I can figure this out. We were saying, look, just showing up on Sunday is not all there is to the spiritual life. Live out your faith Monday through Saturday. But what we said was, don't go to church. Be the church. As if those are somehow separate things. As if you can somehow be the church without getting fed and nourished and growing and prayer from a body of believers. Don't go to church. Be the church. And what a lot of people heard, they heard us saying, well, I don't have to go on Sunday. I just need to do some nice things during the week. Now, why why do I think that happened? Conversations I've had. But specifically, and some of you know this, uh, I taught high school Bible down the road at LCA for about five years. And so I interacted with a lot of teenagers. I had a lot of religious and spiritual conversations with a lot of students. And, and we talked about a lot of different topics. And I would hear them, not all of them, but I would hear some of them repeating these phrases back to me as a justification for why they were done with the church after they got out of high school. Now, that's not what we meant. When we said, don't go to church, be the church, we didn't mean abandon the church. But I'm telling you, that's how a lot of people interpreted those sayings. When we said, okay, don't yell at me, don't throw anything. When we said and read the book and printed the t-shirt that said, it's not about religion, it's about a relationship, I know what we meant. We meant it's not about a set of rules, it's not a list of do's and don'ts, it's actually giving my life over to Christ and being a follower of Jesus. It's it's a relationship with Jesus. Here's my experience again. This is my seat on the bus and you may see it differently. That's fine, but I'm telling you, as I've been watching this happen, especially among teenagers and 20-somethings and young Christians, What they hear is religion is organized church. I don't need that. I just need to be close to Jesus. That's how they've interpreted these things that we put on t-shirts and we keep saying. And none of us meant for it to be interpreted that way. But we didn't stop to think that, you know what? My My relationship with Jesus has really been helped by the church. It's really been nourished by the church. It's really been encouraged by the church. And so these pithy little sayings that look great on a bumper sticker and a t-shirt, we've been telling generation after generation, it's just not that important. Church is just not that important. Look, I'm not suggesting... That going to church makes us a follower of Christ. I'm not saying going to church gets you into heaven. I'm not saying it's all about showing up for one hour on Sunday morning. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is we have grabbed onto some phrases that really are pretty critical of the church. And I know the church isn't perfect. I know it's not. 
I know that many of you have been wounded by church people, and you've been wounded in a particular church. Me too. My family's been wounded. My wife and kids have been wounded. I've been wounded. My dad before me, when he was a pastor, was wounded. I, I get it. The church isn't perfect. There are There are leadership problems in churches. There are moral failures in churches. First pastor I ever worked for, when I was a senior in high school, it was a little bitty church in South Georgia. They asked me to come lead their music, and we sang I to Hymnal. And so I went and we did that uh, my senior year in high school. First pastor I ever worked with in any sort of paid capacity, a few months after I got there, has an affair on his wife. And this little bitty church is having to deal with this Huge moral issue. Listen, I know the church isn't perfect. I'm not saying it is. I know there are struggles and there are real problems. But we're better together. And when I look at how, what Jesus thought of the church, it's really hard for me to say, don't go to church, just be the church. Because that's not what Jesus said in the New Testament. That's not how he viewed the church. He loved the church. He died for the church. He put his mission in the hands of the church. Example, Matthew chapter 16. Jesus asked his disciples uh, in, in Matthew 16, he's having a conversation with them. He says, hey, who's everybody think that I am? And they go, ah, you know. Elisha, Jeremiah, they they think you're some dead guy that's come back. What they were saying was, they don't have a clue, Jesus. Like, everybody in our city, like, they're trying to figure out who you are, and they don't have a clue who you are. They don't know who you are. And so Jesus presses the issue a little more in verse 15 when he says, well, what about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, Jesus replied. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That's the beginning of the church. There's no, it's not about church, don't go to church be the church. There's, no, I'm going to build something. I'm going to build a church. And it's going to, it's not going to just survive. It's going to thrive. The greatest attacks it will face will not be able to overcome it. I will build my church, Jesus said. That's the key. The, The church was started by Jesus and the church belongs to Jesus. I mean, the church, for for all of its faults and flaws, this was Jesus' idea. This was not my idea. This was not a denomination's idea. This was not a convention's idea. This was not a committee meeting's idea. This was the idea of the Son of God. I'm going to do this. I'm going to build this, and it's going to be mine. And it's going to carry my mission to the world. Jesus says to Peter, look, here's the mission. You're going to let people know what you just said. I'm going to build a church so that they will know Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That's going to be the primary job of the church. 
because I'm going to have churches all over this world and all of them are going to sit in the middle of communities of people who don't know who I am. They think I'm this, they think I'm that, they think I taught that, they think I said that. And I'm going to put churches in communities so that they will let their community know who I am, that I am the Messiah, I am the Son of the living God. When Jesus said that in Matthew, there was no church. Jesus didn't say, Peter, you know, like first prayers down there? Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do a little bit. I'm going to get some of that going. There was nothing. It's Jesus and 12 disciples, all of whom are going to run away from him, one of whom is going to betray him. There is no church. And yet Jesus said, here's what I see. I see a movement of groups of people that are better together. Groups of people come together in their community and they worship me and they pray to me and they believe me. And then they go out into their community and they let people know that I am the Messiah. I'm the son of the living God. And Jesus already knew as this movement was getting started, Rome was going to bring all of its forces against the church. It was going to try to stamp out the church. It was going to kill Christians. And Jesus already knew, now, my church is not going to fail. Even that, Jesus knew all throughout history, persecution was going to come against his church. And yet he tells Peter at the beginning, nothing's going to overcome my church. I am building my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail Against it. And I think even in that vision, Jesus saw us. Like Jesus saw today that there would be people getting together, encouraging one another, praying for one another, believing in one another, hoping for one another, ministering and loving one another. And Jesus says, Yeah, that's what I'm building. I want that to happen. And sometimes, sometimes we say, Yeah, you know, I'm a part of the the church universal. I'm part of the big church. I get it. There is such a thing. That's, a, that's an aspect of the church. It's just that all throughout the New Testament, you see this emphasis on groups getting together where they live and being the church. The early apostles, they all pastored churches or they planted churches. Almost all of the New Testament outside of the gospel, it's written to a church or a pastor. There is this emphasis on people coming together where they live and being the church together because we're better together. And by coming together, we would declare Jesus is the Messiah. He's the son of the living God. It's, it's not just that he started it, though. It, it's more personal than that. Jesus decides... How to describe, how to illustrate his relationship to the church. And he could have picked any relationship he wanted. But he didn't describe his relationship to us like a servant. And he could have. He didn't describe it as an employee. He didn't even call us his friends. Like the church is my friend. That would have been awesome, right? He says we are friends of his. He tells the disciples that at one point. But when he talks about the church... Friendship is not the metaphor he uses. The metaphor he uses is his bride. The church, those people who get together, better together, that's my bride. I've been to a ton of weddings. I've officiated 
a ton of weddings, got several weddings lined up this summer. I've never gone to a wedding and before the ceremony or after the ceremony pulled the groom aside and said, dude, she is ugly. I I don't know what you were thinking, but she's like, like, what's with the eyes? It's like something about her nose. Like what? What do you see in her? Have you ever done that? Right? And not gotten punched in the face? Like you don't go to the groom and say the bride's ugly. Not on the wedding day. Not any day. You don't even think that, do you? Like you come to the ceremony as a groom and the bride, and I say, man, that's, that's beautiful. That's so touching. Oh, they're so in love. And Jesus said, yeah, that's how I see my bride. So don't pull me to the side and go, yo, Jesus, your bride is homely. Don't pull me to the side and tell me all the things you have against my bride. That's my bride. I'm just concerned that we've, we've kind of slipped into this critical nature of the bride of Christ. And we forget, but this is his girl. This is one he loved. This is one he died for. This is one he entrusted the future of our faith to. Jesus calls us his, his bride. I know we're not perfect. I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm tracking the whole time with you that the church has done a lot of stuff wrong and, and wounded a lot of us, and we got scars, and we could roll up our sleeves and tell our stories. Absolutely. But when I read the New Testament, when I set aside my personal experience, when I set aside the T-shirts and the slogans, and I just look at how Jesus talked about the church, Jesus said, I started it, I'm going to build it, and that's my bride that I'm in love with. And I probably need to pay attention to that more than to all the t-shirts and the slogans we've come up with. I probably need to realize, as imperfect as we are, Jesus loves when we're together. Jesus loves the local body of Christ telling the world he's the Messiah, the son of the living God. He loves that. Play with Legos when you were a kid. You got kids who play with Legos? Yeah. Um, The great thing about Legos is they don't look like much by themselves. When you start putting them together, you can can build some pretty cool things. I I brought some pictures. Like a little house, like this beginner model. Uh, If you're just learning Legos or or a tractor, uh, you can make a tractor. But if you're really good, some of you have seen some of these. Uh, This is at Disney World. You go to downtown Disney. There's a dragon out there in in the water made out of Legos crazy. Or, or you, can, you can build a car out of Legos. Why? Because Legos are better together, right? They're better when they're connected. They're better when they're all moving in the same direction. They're, they're better when they're all forming something bigger than themselves. You know what a Lego is that's not connected? It's an injury waiting to happen. It's an injury waiting to happen because you're going to step on this at some point, right? And you're not going to have shoes on. It's going to be the middle of the night, and you're going to say things that Jesus isn't real proud of, right? That's what happens. A Lego that's not connected is an injury waiting to happen. 
And I know the church isn't perfect. I, I know. I know there's a lot of wounding. But when we disconnect from the church, here's what I, here's what I haven't seen. I haven't seen somebody move away from the church and a year later they have this thriving spiritual experience with God. I just, I, maybe you have. Maybe that's your experience. I don't know. I just know on the whole when I see somebody get mad at the church or decide they don't need the church and they pull away and I, and I check back in six or 12 months later, there's not this great heart for God going on in them. I'm not saying they're bad people. I, I, I'm just saying their spiritual temperature hasn't gone up because they pulled away from the church. Disconnected, you're an injury wait, waiting to happen. Now, that's pretty heavy stuff. I get. I know, we're right after Easter, and this is like heavy stuff we're talking about. The reason I want us to talk about this is not to make us feel bad for the things we say about the church. I just got to be honest with you. I, I've been in church my whole life. You heard my story. Been in church my whole life. I have never, ever been as excited about God's church as I am right now. Ever. I have never been as hopeful, as energized by what God's people could do together than I am right now. I never, I've never believed in a group and believe that God could use them to change their community and change lives and change marriages and change teenagers and change children and maybe change the world. I've never believed it the way I believe it right now. Ever. I've been in a lot of good churches. I just think God's doing something here. And, and I don't want my critical nature of the church or my critical nature of that church or they're doing it wrong or they're not doing it as good as we. I I don't want that. I want to be the bride of Christ right here at Journey. I want to be somebody he's in love with, he's entrusting his mission with, and we're just declaring Jesus is Messiah, the son of the living God. I just want to do that. And I I, I realize there there are places that they're, they're church in name only. Maybe they're not Maybe they're not fulfilling what they should be doing as a church. That's really not where I want to be. I'm not not there. I I want to be here. I want to be fully here. That God is at work. And I know know a year ago things were much different. And uh, it was our second Sunday morning service. Easter was our second Sunday morning service. We had Palm Sunday morning service. We had Easter service morning service. We didn't have a sign out front. We didn't have a website. We didn't have mailers. We didn't have anything. And one year ago on Easter, 208 people came and worshiped together last Easter. And last Sunday, 578 people came and worshiped (laughs) Jesus. It's not about numbers. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, I've never been more hopeful for the people of God to make a difference in their community, and in lives of other people, then right now, April 3rd, 2016, in this place. We're better together. We can do more for the kingdom of God as we pray together, encourage one another, love one another. And and we're going to visit some of that stuff over the next couple of weeks and just, just say, yes, God is doing something. Don't miss this.
Let's pray. God, thank you for your church. Thank you for your people. Church isn't a building. It's not a time slot. It's a people who've come together and share their lives and their gifts and, and plug into the mission of the kingdom to make Jesus known. And that's what we want to be. That's what we want to be. And we pray for other churches in this community. God, we, we need them to be that too. We just pray First Baptist and Orchard and the cross and the, and the grove and Corinth. Just let us all be the bride of Christ in our locations, exalting Jesus. And we're not perfect and, and we're going to make mistakes and we're going to have to apologize and we're going to have to work through things. Absolutely, but at the end of the day, what matters is that we're declaring Jesus together. So make us more than individual parts, more than Legos. Make us a bride for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.